Apple presents Meet the Musicians at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Josh Ells from Rolling Stone, and tonight's guest, XL Recordings founder and owner, Richard Russell, producer, Damon Auburn, and soul legend, Bobby Womack. How y'all doing? Hey everybody, thanks for coming. Uh, I'm gonna introduce these guys really quickly again, uh, although they might not need it. Here to my immediate right is uh, Richard Russell, the owner of a British label called XL Recordings, who, um, let's see, who you've got The White Stripes, uh, MIA, Adele, Vampire Weekend, um, a lot of great artists on his label. Uh, to the far right, Damon Albarn, who's been in, of course, Blur, <laughs> Gorillaz. He's written operas. Uh, you may have seen him at the Olympics at the closing ceremony recently. And in the middle, Mr. Bobby Womack. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Bobby started his career a while back, I think at about 10 years old with his family, with his brothers. Long time ago. Uh -huh. uh, he's done country, he's done soul, he's done R&B, he's done rock and roll. He's recorded with just about everybody. Uh, Elvis, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones, uh, played with Jimi Hendrix. He's, he's met just about everybody. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. I, uh, I wanted to start with... You've got to mention Sam Cook. Sam Cook. It's been a lot of, a lot of good years with Sam Cook. Um, I wanted to start with, uh, with Damon. Um, hello, Josh. Hello, Damon. How are you? How are you? Good. Uh, you actually worked with Bobby once before when uh, you made uh, a song for one of your Gorillaz albums. Um, and I wanted if you could just talk about why you thought of him for the project, how you approached him, how that sort of came about? Well, I mean, I've just always been uh, uh, in love with his, his voice and his spirit. And uh, just as, as with Gorillaz, it always was the case, is uh, be playing, playing a kind of a demo and then just somebody's voice would come sort of into the ether. And uh, I, I, I kind of tried to find, make contact with him via uh, his daughter Gina who who kind of recommended us in a way to Bobby and uh, we met in New York we had a few conversations on the phone we met in New York and he just uh, literally the, f the first time I met him he just went into went into the vocal booth and sang for I reckon 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget it and, and, I'll, and I'll let you finish that story really because uh it was a kind of uh, baptism of fire for me because at the end of it, you know, Bobby was quite sort of exhausted and I, and I didn't really know what was going on. But uh, a banana worked. You remember your words were, say whatever is on your mind, whether it's divorce, bill collectors, and just go out there and do it. And I went out there for an hour, but I forgot to eat, and I'm a diabetic. 
It's about time. They said, you know, you've already gotten it an hour ago. Come on well, in. No, but I couldn't, I couldn't Come press on in. stop, though, because every time it went round, this voice just exploded. And it was, you know, personally, as a fan, I just... I could have I could have listened for twelve hours, and know. I got ready to get up <laughs> yeah. off this chair and fell out. And when I woke up, the last thing I remember, a group that was even closer, that was a group called the Monkeys. And I wake wake up, and I'm getting fed by a gorilla, a banana. <laughs> so, but greatness came out of it, and uh, that's why we're here tonight. Well, Bobby, you had um, you had kind of stepped back from the music industry at that point. I think you were, um, you know, you were sort of taking some time off. What did you when when Damon called you? Were you excited to get back into it? Were you wary at all? Yeah, I was very excited, but at the same time, I realized how much I had been out of it. Is because, like I said, uh, I never did pay attention to anybody really, but what I had to do. Because otherwise, if I did, then I'm going to follow that direction. I was trying to have my own direction. And uh, this is a hot group. It was my daughter that came in and said, Dad, what are you doing listening to Gorilla? I said, is that against the law? But I had told them to send me the material so I can hear some of the material. And I remember feeling real comfortable because I saw Ike Turner in there. And I said, well, we got Ike, got to be cool. Anyway, getting to the point, here we are. Bravest man of the universe. And so then that was uh, that was the first time around with the song you did for Gorillaz. Yeah, and, yep. and then we and, th and then we uh, we sort of decided that it would be the right thing to go on a world tour. So. Uh, we, uh, we played in London, then we played Coachella, and then we started this really huge tour with 70 musicians. Uh, played Madison Square Gardens, um, all around the world. I mean, it was a, an amazing experience, wasn't it, Bobby? Great, had a great experience. Fired me up again. Yeah. And, and, for, for, and, uh, and during that period, we sort of started kind of Imagining the idea of making another Bobby Womack record, and you know, my uh, good friend Richard over there kind of was up for it as well. And you know, he'd he'd, he'd sort of. And we also talked about we're gonna do this 50 50, just me and you. So when I saw Richard in there, I said, Man, who was that guy? He, he was supposed <laughs> to be a part of it, and he said, He owns the record company. I have never in my life seeing a president or own a company to come down and check and let's say see what kind of shit I was getting into. You know. So that was totally different for me and uh, believe me, he don't need to be, he's right where he's supposed to be. Very creative and uh, it was a pleasure working with him. Let's give it up. Richard obviously also a great producer who produced Gil Scott Heron's last album uh, called I'm New Here. And uh, do I have this right that you guys sort of hatched the idea to work together on, on another project that, that you were working on in, in Africa? Yeah, we, um, Damon and I went to the Democratic Republic of the Congo together. Um, hold on, you were there. I was there too. Um, 
And uh, <clears throat> we made an album out there for Warp Records, which was, you know, like we went and worked with local musicians and recorded them and attempted to sort of bring a bit of elec an electronic vibe to it. And, you know, and, it and also, it's a real family thing, this, you know, it's not just something that's just being cobbled together. This is a long, long standing relationships. And uh, that's kind of, you know, why we're here. Cause so I think we, we found a bit of a way of working in the Congo, which was really good and could make stuff in a way that sounded good quite easily. So when Damon was um, wanting to go in the studio with Bobby, he said, come down and let's try stuff and just see how it is. And it just really flowed. It was amazingly, uh, it was just fun to work with Bobby. It just, just worked great. Uh, Bobby, you went, you went out to, to London for a couple of weeks, right? A couple of different times. To, uh, to record this album. So tell me about how you guys worked together in the studio and who sort of came with what. It was different for me, but it kept me alive and to try and be excited about trying new things. I never wrote a song or never cut an album as fast as we cut it, and everything just felt so natural. And that allowed me the privilege of doing all the things that I wanted to do that, was, that I carried with me through my life, from childhood all the way up. But the, the ideas that Bobby came up with just were great. You know, so we, I maybe thought, oh, before this, maybe I'd think about a cover for Bobby to do. There was no need for any of that. Bobby came with, like, the only covers on the record are spiritual songs that Bobby came up with. Um, and the rest of it, the writing, just it just flowed. It was really, really natural. Um, so I think Bobby kind of made it a very easy and uh, exciting experience for the, for the rest of us. Plus, to be inspired by these two gentlemen and the record company itself, you won't believe the lift. It's unbelievable. I'm very happy about it. And it's sort of a surprising album if, if you are only familiar with Bobby's work up until this point because it's got a lot of electronic textures and, and things like that that your voice sounds great with but um, you know it's a, it was a different direction for you so did did you guys talk about that beforehand or Richard and Damon was that sort of your idea to to wed Bobby's I mean to as a fan of his a long-standing fan of his all Bobby's records sounded very current when they came out so there's no reason why this record wouldn't sound current you know because this is Bobby making a record now this is not an old Bobby record this is a new Bobby record so it didn't, there was, we never had any conversations about what does this sound like, what are we, it's like we go in and we all make the noises we want to make and see what works and, and use that. And I think the, that, that's why it's, hopefully people can uh, appreciate it. It's, it sort of sounds natural because we went in there and did it. And Bobby, of course, you've been in the studio with everybody over the last 50 years. What were, what were these two guys like to work with compared to some of the greats? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what were these two guys like to work with in the studio, having having spent so much time in the studio with, with so many great artists? They were artists? quite crazy, but I, I, I kept them tamed down. <laughs> no, it was, it, was uh, it inspired me, ideas that I thought would never come again. Because you can write forever, but at the times when you've been out as long as I've been out here, you start to re feel like you're repeating yourself, you know. So uh, we moved on. Yeah, I mean, for, from my perspective, to be able to sit at the piano and have, have Bobby Womack sing, you know, I mean, this, 
this man has uh, a, a voice which, uh, well, is 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 a is a kind of precious commodity for for everyone. There there aren't voices like this around anymore. You know, this is, it's one of the great for me one of the great voices. It's a spiritual time. connection, and also I think uh, here in the states, you know, that Bobby's voice is a connection to to. Uh, a kind of uh, a spirit which, uh, you know, is hard to identify sometimes now, you know, and it's, it's a direct link to that and, and it should be something that should be like treasured by everyone in this country, you know, truly. You know, I always say from the styles that I came up in, the era I came up in, you had a Sam Cooke. When you heard Sam Cooke, you know it was Sam Cooke. When you heard Ray Charles, you know it was Ray Charles. Uh, today, you want to know who was that. You know, because somebody trying to sound like somebody else. You know, but it's still music. And music was a universal language. So I'm glad that I can speak tonight. Now, I also want to hear, we've got a great opportunity to hear some great stories from Bobby, who has about a thousand of them. Uh, one of my favorites that I would love, if you wouldn't mind telling, is uh, your evening with Janis Joplin. Oh, not, not Janis like Joplin thing, okay. And this is the last story, okay? But um, I was recording with Janis because she called me and says, hey, I want you to record, I want to record one of your songs. Okay, and uh, we um, recorded it, and I had just bought a new Mercedes, and she was sitting in the car. The band had left already, and she was sitting in the car, and she asked me, how did you get this car? I said, from working with people like you. <laughs> and uh, she started singing, oh, dealer, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, a Mercedes Benz, and that's, and 10 years or 20 years later, I heard that song in a commercial. It was shocking because I remember Paul Rothschild, her producer at the time, said, everybody's going home, why don't you wait until tomorrow? She said, no, tomorrow I ain't promise. I want to do it now. She said, you play guitar, don't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, I play guitar. We went back in the studio and we recorded that song. And, and then one of my other favorites that I would love for you to tell is, um, how you started playing guitar. You were very young, with, and uh, your dad has his guitar. Can you tell that? Yeah, my father was a barber. That was his other job after he left his real job, his part-time job, and he would cut hair. One day, a guy came in with a guitar, and he said, if you would cut my hair for a couple of months, I'll let you have this guitar. So he gave my father the guitar to work the deal out. So my father, because the guitar looked better than any piece of furniture we had in the whole house. So he says, don't ever touch this guitar. He said, don't ever touch it. I ain't kidding. So I'm the clown that I am. While he was talking, I touched the guitar. Then I would practice every day. He would leave going to work at the steel mill. And he, we didn't have a car, so he'd walk. I could see him maybe a half a mile away coming home. And I would put the guitar away. And so my mother said, I'd hate 
for Friendly, which is my father's name, uh, to catch you with that guitar because you know he told you not to touch it. So one day I was playing and a string broke. Boy, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So you know I had to be young because I took the shoestring out my tennis shoe and tied it into place. <laughs> now my father didn't, know he didn't play if he played 15 minutes and he said, who's been playing with my guitar? And my brother said, Bob. <laughs> so he told me, he said, boy, if you can't play, he said, I'm gonna whoop you until the middle of next week. And I knew that was a long time ago, a long time for me. So I started doing the Jimi Hendrix before he was even invented, slide. Uh, I was playing everything I could thought of. And he was so shocked. And she said, he plays like that every day, all day. And when he sees you coming, he put it in the case. This time you caught him. So he said, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to Sears and Roebuck. I'm going to get you a guitar, and I'm going to buy you all the other instruments. So saying that, my brothers jumped in and joined in. They're saying he didn't kill me. All right, I think we have time for some audience questions. Hi, uh, this is a big thrill, so thanks, thanks so much for being here. How much uh, was the experience with gorillas and being on tour with them, how much did that kind of influence how you approached uh, doing The Bravest Man in the Universe? Well, I tell you, it's just that it gave you courage and to say, I'm still here, and to go through so many generations. You know, I often say, and it's no uh, put on, that I know more dead people than I do people living. So for them to pick me up, and we on the road, and those people responded. You know, I think that's my reason, and let me know that God is still in the blessing business. Hi. This is so weird not seeing you on like a laptop screen, all three of you guys. It's, wow, okay. Um, my question is, um, Bobby, going into this record. Um, this, is, this is actually the, the latest Apple iPod screen. <laughs> it's just so realistic, you can't even. Do. I can't even tell, wow. Good job. Um, uh, my question was, um, going to this record, um, I mean, I know Damon and Richard have such experience with these like, you know, synths and electronic instruments. Um, I wanted to hear your take on what, like, the new sound that, you know, they've been such advocates of and how it was, how was it like working with that? And, like, do you find like, an appreciation of it? Do you dislike it? Or what do you like about it? Well, I, I always feel and felt that my voice was so dominant when you heard me, you knew it was me, you know? So it, don't, it matters, but it don't matter if the background is dominating where the lead is supposed to be. So I was leading them and it was inspiring me to lead. What else can I say? I read your uh, Midnight Mover book. So the first, I have a two-part question. Uh, how, um, it doesn't credit anyone else, I don't think, having written it with you. I'm wondering, did it, did you write it all yourself? Did you have some, you know, I just want to know how much it's I had about, there was four writers, and they either had heart attacks or died. And, <laughs> and the book finally come out. 
the last writer was saying, you got to say something that the people don't know. Exciting. Garbage. And I say, look, I respected them while they was here, and I'm not going to say nothing negative to sell a book. You know, I say, they still got people that's got people. And I owe that respect to them and also respect to their families. Be the same way, I'm going to say something negative about him to sell a book. I don't need the money that bad. Um, Damon, I've got a quick question to do with uh, your involvement in the African music at the moment. Obviously, you've produced um, Tumani Diabati before, you worked with Tony Allen, you've done Amadou and Mariam, you just completed the Africa Express, the UK. Do you have any, I, well, are you planning on bringing it out to the US or trying to... Oh, that would be nice. I mean, I, I need to start discussions with Amtrak if I'm going to do that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a totally different thing, but and Richard was involved in this as well. We... Uh, we organized a train uh, and we took 80-odd uh, uh, musicians from, uh, from all parts of Africa across the whole of the UK two weeks ago uh, and we uh, converted some, um, some, some of the carriages into rehearsal rooms and we had the most amazing time. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to bring it here. But uh, to be honest with you, we'd probably take a train through South Africa first. That's probably our before we come here with that. But if, but you know, it's all about supply and demand. If, if, if you want us, we're here, you know. That's great. Mike, how you doing? Fine, yourself. I'm good. I'm, a, uh, I'm an entertainer. I've been following you for quite some time. I mean, you're actually the inspiration for my getting into show business. And I just want to say, uh, do you need any opening acts? <laughs> yeah, I, as long as I've been off, I need to open. No, 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 always, always. We'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. No. Hi, how are you? I love the Janis Joplin story. Um, I was wondering, I know we're in a Mac store and everything, but would you ever consider doing an all analog record again? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. It's just that uh, I'm trying to corner these two guys to re record another album because they told me, say, you can do whatever you want to do, but we only want one. So I think I need a follow-up. One, yeah. <laughs> one step at a time. One step at a time. Which do you prefer, digital? I, need, I know we're in a Mac store, but digital or analog? Uh, I think digital. I think digital. But you know, this is, I don't really see this record as a digital record. You know, the way the way that the way that we, uh, you know, if you see its genesis and, and and the spirit of it, I don't think you'll view it in those terms. It's it, you know, that's that's just that's just pigeonholing again. You know, it's like let's just forget about all of that. Whether it's electronic, whether it's anything, it's just music. If it works, it's music, and yeah. celebrate that. You know, I mean, let's not go all of that. You know, the same freedom that I found in the studio, I found here when we started rehearsing because I've never played with anybody but my band, you know. And uh, to, to be with this group and have the most, most respect for them, I, was, I didn't know what was going to happen. But they were saying, no, you don't have to copy the record. 
just do it like you feel. And so that gave me a big release. Yeah. Amen.